Shall we begin? everybody welcome back to a brand new episode of the frankly francisco podcast i am your host francisco today we have one if not the leading american guitarist in the country uh he has 32 albums he has toured all around the world i've i've listened to quite a few of his uh his work online and he is incredible i'd like to introduce everybody to mr jonathan taylor how are we doing today Thank you. Very good. Thank you. And thank you for that nice introduction. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. You got to give credit where credit is due. Um, so uh, enlighten me a little bit and enlighten my audience a little bit. You are just, I, I heard um, some of the, the, the music that you put on and man, you are incredible on the guitar. At what, thank you. Yeah, man. At what point did you see this is as your path as you walk in your path to be a musician? Well, it's about 10, but before that when I was four or five, my grandmother, who was a uh, <clears throat> silent film organist and worked with all the people of that era, meaning she worked all the time with Harry Houdini and with uh, Charlie Chaplin and all the people of that time period. And uh, so she was uh, playing music all the time in the house in the background. So ever since a very early age, like four or five, I was trying to pick out tunes on like a ukulele, because that is for your little tiny fingers, right? Mm -hmm. But then when I was about 10, then I really started to get into it seriously. And uh, so <clears throat> uh, that's really a true story. They don't even, we don't, they don't put like the record company in that, doesn't put four or five into the bios because I go, well, it's a little unbelievable, you know? <laughs> so uh, that's why I usually says something like he was 10. So, I mean, you have years, I mean, decades of experience with the guitar, but do you ever find yourself continuously learning and uh, and trying to perfect your craft? Because, I, listen, I know it, your formative years is when you've really uh, learned and, and strive to be the best. But even with all that experience, do you think you can improve in the technique that you have? Yes, you know what it is. I tell people, I go, well, I was at a world-class standard when I was in my 20s, technically. But I go, what happens over decades is seasoning occurs. And there's an old saying that the years uh, teach what the days cannot. And so that idea is, yes, you're you're in a different dimension at this age than when you're, you know, in your 20s, for instance. So yes, I think that uh, you refine, and of course I'm always arranging pieces for the classical guitar, uh, and uh, just got a new record deal here with um, Warner Brothers and Hit Lab. So from what you were telling me is you are recently signed a new, uh, a new deal with Warner Brothers and Hit Labs. Tell me a That's little bit right. more about that. Um, well, they are taking my catalog, which is a large catalog, as you mentioned. And the first, uh, <clears throat> what happens is you, you repackage things. A lot of people don't know that. Some people do. And I go, so I'll give you an example. The new uh, repackaging of different tracks in that is called Guitar Chronicles. And it's on all the streaming services and, and so forth. And I'll tell you how we came up with the name. Because I don't care what the albums are named. It doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, 
people get all upset. I go, look, these are the recordings. I sit in front of the uh, uh, microphone and play. Oh, how do you do that? I go, I sit in front of the microphone and play. <laughs> I go, that's how it works. And uh, so uh, we put together uh, certain tracks. And I have recently, recently I did a, um, a version of, I transcribed two film scores with kind of medleys on the solo classical guitar. One of them is the Wizard of Oz, and the other one are the Bond themes. I have a couple arrangements of that of different Bond themes. Nice. So uh, those are different, what should we say, very different idea because who adapts film scores to the guitar, right? <laughs> so that's why I'm trying to position that better for you. Uh, so uh, those, and of course, then there's Spanish masterpieces on that album. I, I can tell you how we came. <laughs> so the head of Europe um, of the company uh, came from France to uh, meet me and visit me. Uh, and we met in Hollywood and, uh, and then the other parts of the company are in Canada, you know, big companies. Right. So uh, he said, I was going to call it authentic guitar. That was going to be the original title of this. She goes, I don't like that name. I go, then change it. I don't care. I'm not married to it. It, it means nothing to me. Right. Uh, I go, oh, well, don't you want the album to be your exact title? I go, what's the freaking difference? It's going to be these tracks. And, you know, what is there to know? <laughs> so she came up she, with it. She started looking on the Internet and said, what about Guitar Chronicles? I go, fine, done. And she's used to like Europeans commiserating. Oh, it has to be the right picture. Oh, yeah. it has to be the right name. I go, are you kidding me? The people are either going to like the music or they won't like the music. That's how it works. Yeah, and I love that passion. Yeah. It's, for you, it's about the sound, the actual music itself. It's, you're not worried about the cover art. You're not worried about the name of the album. You just uh, want I look like to... what I look like. <laughs> this is what I look like. Here, <laughs> right. this is me without glasses on. Here, this is me with glasses. On. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that passion, but but that passion is what's helped you. Uh, what was that has helped you continue your career as long as it has right now. And I did hear a couple of tracks where I did hear the 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 Spanish uh, influence in 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 the music, and I'm like, wow, this guy is he can go from here to here and from there to there. Learning those styles, it's amazing. How how many styles do you actually know? Boy, um, that's an excellent question. That is a brilliant question, and I'm going to answer it kind of a long drawn out way one of my missions is to take and adapt music from different genres onto the classical guitar do i play all the masterpieces like bach and the spanish and whatever yes but then i'm also adapting a couple film scores i go there then there's i took some of the psychedelic tunes and that'll be out on another album coming up here uh uh and transcribe them for the classical guitar then like think gershwin jazz for instance all right um uh then there's american medleys which are what and i go well they're american 19th century folk songs like uh, um you know camp town races and things like that so why am i talking about that because i believe i'm a crossover artist and let me explain that 
have I done pure 100% classical concerts all over the freaking world. All right. So yes, a thousand times. But I also believe that people can go into, you can draw them into the classics by presenting other things to them. And then they can only tolerate so much, if you know what I mean. Then they get disinterested. So one of the things when I say crossover, I'll give you an example. You probably know who Glenn Campbell is. Well, yes. before Glenn Campbell existed, there was a country guy named Hank Williams. And oh, he yeah. had a very, yeah, very niche, niche country thing. I go, well, that's old style country music. Now, along comes Glenn Campbell. And I go, is he country? Yes and no. <laughs> is he pop? Yes and no. Yeah, right? In other words, he's mixing i go all those country guys you see now today on southern i go they wouldn't have existed without glenn campbell i go they couldn't have formed what they are a mix of country and kind of pop look at that country guy took tracy chapman's song fast car yes fast car yeah that's a perfect example and he, he just won an award and uh, did he okay yep. i didn't know I, and and i go wow he adapted in kind of a country style this wonderful song from what was that the nineties or the eighties? I don't remember. I think it was late, early, yeah, late 80s. way back then. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I go uh, and I'm happy for Tracy Chapman because trust me, she's getting paid. Oh yeah, for that version <laughs> of that song. You know, there's a great st story about Elvis and Dolly Parton that um, is kind of in that theme. You know, like "I Will Only Love You," the song that Whitney yeah. Houston does in the film. I go, well, Dolly had actually had a hit with that. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And I go, she had a hit way back. And <clears throat> so Colonel uh, Tom, Elvis's manager, approached her and said, Elvis likes your song. He wants to sing it. And she said, oh, that would be great. I love Elvis, you know. And uh, but then the phone call comes. And what is that? He goes, well, you know, we have to take 100 percent of the publishing. And she goes, excuse me? I love Elvis, but not that much. Right. And uh, and she goes, but Colonel, I mean, I know you're looking out for your client, Elvis. I totally respect that, right? Uh, on the other hand, I already had a hit. It's not like this is laying on the log somewhere. Well, so she wouldn't give him the rights, and Elvis never recorded the song. Well, flash, flash forward 20-some, 20 25, 30 years later, Kevin Costner does the film, gets Whitney, uh, right, to sing it. I go, it became monster hit. When you have a film and a song like that, I go, right. oh, it's a hundred times more, right? So, I mean, those are just the, <clears throat> the connections in changing genres, like we were talking about with the country to that. And what I do is I have so many different styles, is that's to bring, I say, this market, then this market, this market. Some people will never listen to country music. They hate it. They don't want it. Some people will never listen to jazz. And then some people, you know, I mean, and then the exact opposite. So that's one of my, kind of my mission is to bring if with quality and completeness arrangements and that of music that has never been uh, adapted to the instrument before. Well, you can't be in 
the business as long as you've been without being able to adapt to new styles. Boy, and that's to, for sure. <laughs> and to bring <laughs> and to bring new things to the public. I want to talk about uh, to you about your most important tools, and it's not your guitar; it's your hands. You've been in the business for a long time. Has there any ever been a time where your hands have caused you any kind of issues, any pain, or anything that's caused you not to be able to perform? No, and I'm very fortunate. I've never had anything bad uh, happen, you know, to me in that. I've never broken a finger or anything like that. So I've been very fortunate in that regard. And yeah, I just don't do certain things too. Like when I was in high school, I liked tennis. I liked basketball, right? I was sporty. And uh, and then, uh-oh, then I jammed my finger on playing basketball. Then I would hurt my wrist doing the tennis. I said, well, got to make a choice. Can't do this. Can't do this. I'll, I'll, I'll be out of commission for two months, you know. Yeah. So I had to make some choices. But nothing bad has happened to my hands now. So no arthritis, no carpal, especially with as much as you play, your hands are constant movement. It's, it's amazing. It that, is the true. That, you know, that's a good, that's a good, because I have a buddy who's a great keyboardist and has those problems. But a sound is not created by applying energy or tension, but by releasing it. And that is a very delicate and hard thing to do. It's simple for me to say, but it's a difficult thing to do. And I go, well, a lot of people, they end up, you need very little amount of pressure for that string to sound, for to place it right behind the fret and then for it to, I go, you'd be surprised how little amount of pressure. What many people do when they play, when they um, get tense, uh, they build up tension. I'll give you an example. Let's say they do a bar. And I go, a lot of people, they keep pressing on the bar, adding pressure, adding, rather than it's set now, don't change, right? So there are techniques that are proper that will minimize your chances of getting what you're saying, carbotunnel, you know, uh, uh, tendonitis you know, all those things. And what happens is I go, you have, and how do you learn it? I go, well, there are specific exercises that I have shown students in the past, not teaching now, but uh, I go, well, this will help you gain the gauge that you need to know what to do when. I mean, being that long in the business and your hands are still working a hundred percent is uh, it's yeah, amazing. No you can continue to, to keep putting out albums like you're, you are now and, and your sound, you know, won't get, it won't regress than what it is now because your hands are still doing what they need to do. Now, as far as the guitars, um, that is your bread and butter. Do you have specialized guitars made for you or do you have guitars, uh, guitars that you buy in a store? How do you find the right sound with the guitars? How do you know right. which guitars works best for you? Are they custom or they're not? Great question. So I own a, an Antonio Marin Montero, uh, 1978, made by the luthier Antonio Marin Montero. I purchased it. From my old teacher when I studied years ago, Pepe Romero, for $3,000. It's, it's worth 12000 now. 
and I've only had one guitar in all those years. And why is that? And I go, because I don't need any more than that. I just need this. This is a good guitar. It's a, it's good in its sound because it has a rosewood top, which provides warmth to the sound. And it has a combination of what's called Spanish and French bracing inside that projects the sound out of the sound hole. So that is all I've had. Now, before that, and I've told this story before, before that, I had a 100-year-old Manuel Romero's guitar and made by the father who was a luthier, now the sons, of course. And um, I was uh, driving back from San Diego area, and I stopped by a phone booth. That's back when they had phone booths. And I set the guitar right by the phone booth, and a car ran over it. Oh, man. <laughs> so it was... a. Uh, that was, I go, a tragedy. Jeez. And what did it look like? I go, toothpicks, kindling, kindling. So you must go through a lot of strings, though, right? Because you have to replace those strings after a while. That's true. Back. Yeah, that's true. I actually uh, was uh, was going to change them today, but I'm going to wait. I'm going out to film at in starting Sunday. I won't do any filming Sunday, but going out to Palm Springs in California to do filming and that, and I'll wait a while because it's only Wednesday uh, uh, to change him. But you're absolutely right. You have to change him because they play so much. Probably every couple months. Every couple months. Yeah. <laughs> so then they, they become dead, right? Uh, they, yeah, they lose their resilience. Now, those are those just uh, uh, specialized threads. Do you have a particular style of threads that you use, or just the the manufacturer's threads that um, that you can just buy at any any store? You can buy it in any guitar store, and I use Augustine Blue Label classical guitar strings that was, of course, made for Segovia in, let's say, I don't know, 1930 or something. Yeah. And he, at that time, uh, commissioned them, and they and he became their spokesperson, of course, uh, to make nylon strings, and the cap gut used to be made, and now they make it with wire, and so... Uh, that's the type of string Augustine Blue labels that I use. That's awesome. So you have toured around the world. Tell me a little bit about that. Does it ever get old when you get to fly out to these places and you get to perform in front of people live? <laughs> Is there oh. any drawbacks to that at all? Well, you get sick in foreign countries. Like you can, I almost died in the Amazon. Wow. And I was, uh, I, that's a story I'll tell in a minute, but I mean, uh, you know, sometimes I was ill when I was in Romania playing concerts throughout the, Romania. Uh, I was ill for about a week, and uh, and the show must go on. And uh, so, does it get old? No, but I can tell you one time when I was in thinking about Romania that I'd been away from home from America for so long. I was getting a little. I need some of my own culture. Right, I need so I went and saw an American film in a theater, <laughs> and, you know. But uh, so those things happen, and when you go on the road, I'm alone on the road. I don't have like an entourage or that. I'm alone, so I'm you know flying there and checking into the hotel. I'm going to doing sound check down at the auditorium, and uh, you know I'm in whatever that city is. So do you never collab with any other other uh, other artists in the cities that you you visit. 
I did. Well, when I played in Barbados, I have a, a two albums uh, with a great flautist, Hal Archer, uh, whom I kind of introduced to his country. I uh, was down there doing master classes, doing concerts, and representing the American government as a kind of a musical ambassador. And so I did a collaboration with a flautist on those two albums. So uh had him fly up here and uh, recorded the albums. And then uh, and he lives in New York now, but he used to live in Barbados. And, and uh, but, you know, I'd be open to collaborations. That's awesome. The way you... People don't really understand classical anything. If you're a violinist, if you're, uh, you know, uh, uh, you play the flute or you play saxophone, people don't realize you don't have to be on television 24 hours a day or have you. It is a big, it's a billion dollar business. People are touring and traveling every single day doing what they love. Now you get some people that blow up to the point where they, you know, they're everywhere. You know, you'll see them on TV, they're doing commercials, but Guys like yourself that's been steady, 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 steady for quite a few decades, your talent shines through no matter what. Even if you're not getting, you know, the the publicity that a lot of these people want, you're still, you're working and you're constantly working, which is amazing. You're still making a living off something you love to do. And a lot of people can't say that. You're outshining a lot of these people who've been in business and, you know, the, these artists who, who claim that, you know, they're the best ever what they do, but yet you know, they flame out after five years or they have a 10 year run, they're done, man. You've been doing this <laughs> 40 years and you're still right. going. It's amazing. Right. And you know, you know, what happens is as time goes on, I go, you're, all you're thinking about is the music. I mean, that's the only thing you really think about. You don't think about the other stuff. It, it doesn't mean anything to you because what you really want to do, I would say, I want to give beauty to the world. I'll give you an example. So I was touring in India. I was playing at the Nation. I played all over. I got a lot of Indian stories of India. Uh, uh, I have a series in my app that's on Google Play or Android. Just type Jonathan Taylor into Google Play or Android. You can download an app for free. It's not going to cost you anything. And I go, well, I go, those uh, in India, one time I was playing at the National Theaters and in Bombay, they call it Mumbasana. And uh, I got a letter after that tour was over. Uh, somebody wrote my management and there was somebody in the audience that was going to kill himself. And he went to my concert and he decided not to kill himself. Jeez. And I said, that made the whole tour worthwhile right there. The whole tour. And the beginning of the letter was Shanti, which is like peace and, you know, and uh, so I go, well, right there, the manager and I, we sat in his office and I go, he goes, wow, Jonathan. You know, I go, he needed something. That guy needed something. And he found it in that music. And whatever it was that he needed, he found it and decided this life is worth living. Listen. So the, I have adventures like that all over. I met the head of NASA the head of JPL on a tour one time in the South. I have adventures and touring stories that I tell when I uh, 
and when I get on stage, I'm not just playing. I, I am playing, but I mean also, you know, telling people stories of the, the you know, I met like when I was with Pavarotti, Luciano Pavarotti, the great tenor, and yes. playing in the Philippines. I go, well, I had met him years before, actually, before this gig. Uh, I said I had I said I had met him when he first came over here. I was playing at Schoenberg Hall at UCLA, and he was playing at Royce Hall at UCLA. And I go, well, I had met him. I go, he had, this was his first American, uh, California anyway. And I go, no, he'd been uh, in Italy driving up and down to all the opera houses, La Scala, and doing that on trains or rather. And I go, but you have adventures like that. Tons of adventures. I have, I have stories that, uh, you know, that are unbelievable stories. You know, going, uh, uh, I was almost assassinated in India. Wow. And, and people say, what? And I go, yeah. I go, there's a crazy guy. And he was just, I, why did he want to do it? And I go, who knows why a crazy person wants to do that? You know, because they're crazy. Yeah, and I tell people all the time, music is one of the most powerful things in the world. It can it can soothe the broken heart. It can help somebody come back from a dark place. You know what I mean? It can it can smooth totally. somebody out. It's it's there's power in music, and it doesn't have to be lyric. It doesn't have to be lyrics to it. You know what I mean? Right. There's some people who listen to music just for the instrumental. It's what yeah. it's what drives people sometimes. It's it's just hearing a melody that soothes you in a way that people can't understand. It can reach you at a level that it's, it's amazing. It's like me, me and my wife, we, we listen to music all the time. And sometimes it's, we just, we just have a day where it's just music. We don't want to do anything else, but just listen to music because it's one of those things that it can, you're stressed out that music can help. I, I, it's something about how they say it's uh, uh, where the vibration is and, and where it's tuned at, where it can help, you know, uh, help relax you. And, right. And, and smooth things out when you're not in a good way. So for that, man, you saved essentially saved a man's life because of your music. That's something you should be very proud of. Yeah. And I thank you. And you know, I'll tell you a story about Einstein. A lot of people don't know. I go, Einstein was an amateur violinist, played violin all his life. And he would, he would play almost every day. He loved to play violin. And I go, he would practice his violin and people say, why are you doing that? He goes, because now I'm going to sit in that chair for hours and start to think and do his Gedanken experiments, his thought experiments, as he would call them. And why is, are you playing? He goes, because I have to get into the musical realms to find where I'm thinking about these physics issues, right? And I go, he would sit in that chair in Princeton, and I go, for hours. I go, how many people? can sit and think with his pipe and just sit there and think for hours and hours. And he used to say, it's not that I'm smarter than everyone. I said, yeah, he is. But I go, he goes, I just stay with the problems longer. I will confront that issue. I'll let it go for a while and then I'll go right back to it. And he was fascinated just speaking about Einstein because he loved his music so much. He said it, gave him greater joy than anything else in his entire life. And, uh, you know, and he was, as a little boy, his father gave him a compass and that sparked his interest in the hidden world of physics because 
why it's always pointing north no matter what I do, right? And he was started, I go, that ignited his world of physics that he wanted to know what what is this world comprised of? All due to music. That's I mean, yeah, none gets better than that. <clears throat> yeah. And so I go, he I go, he would play in string quartets. People don't know that. And I go, no, he would like have a string quartet and he'd play second violin in the string quartet somewhere. So for you and all the experience that you have and all the years you've been doing this, what has been the biggest frustration you believe in the industry that you're in right now? Boy, that's a good question. I'm not sure I can answer that. I usually don't get frustrated. And the reason why is I don't believe, I believe that time is short. We think time is long as I go, it's way shorter and you never know what's going to happen. I had an auto crash a year ago, never been in an auto crash in my life, ever, nothing. I never even backed up into something, you know, and totaled the car. And I was perfectly at peace with it. In other words, I mean, you if you saw pictures of the car, it's like a cube. It's like it's junk. The officer said that car will never drive again, mm -hmm. you know. And so I don't get frustrated because I think that every moment of life is precious. And I go, I can either think about this or I can think about this. And what can I gain and what can I lose? I go, well, I'm not going to take anything with me. <laughs> so what do I get? I can only use a car. I can only use a computer or a phone or a can of Coke. You know, I can only use it. And I go, you don't own anything. It's a good way to think about things. So before we jump off, um, do you have any concerts coming up? Do you have any touring coming up that you want to pass along to my audience? <clears throat> you know, I'd love to say yes, but COVID pretty much, you know, I, I'm right now I'm in the recording and filming mode, not the touring mode at all. And what I do have, though, is of my new app. And that is, you know, anybody can have, it's free. If you want to be a member, it's like $40 a year. It's nothing. But it has performance videos. It has guitar lessons on it. It has stories about tours and adventures and that. And that's on Google Play if you're an Android or uh, iOS if you're an Apple user. You can download it for free. And so that is where my focus is right now. That's awesome. I want to thank you for coming on. This has been very enlightening. Um, you are, you're full of life, man. You're just, you're, you're passionate about what you do and you continue to be passionate about what you do. And at some point, I'd love to get you back on and hear some more of these stories because Absolutely. I, I think you connect with an, uh, can connect with an audience because you do it for a living. You're on a stage, you know what I mean? You're, you're traveling the world. So you have that connection. You know how to connect with people. So I'm going to leave you with what I leave everyone with from my show no matter what anybody tells you, if you found your purpose, live it. Thank you again for coming on. Have a good night, folks. Thank you.